Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Olivia's Obscura. My name is Olivia. I am, of course, your host on this fine, fine evening. And hey, I'll say it. I'm coming at you a little bit late this week. Okay, I haven't missed a Monday upload since I started this whole shenanigan. Um, and do I feel a slight sense of failure? Yes, I absolutely do. But that's okay. Sometimes things get in the way. What's that one quote? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, baby. Um, and yeah, that's really, that's really what happened. Um, I have tried to record this episode like three times and I just kept what I'm doing. Okay. So this is going to be a trio of lifetime movies that we are covering. We are covering the wrong daughter from 2018 the Deadly Daughter Switch from 2020, and Daddy's Perfect Little Girl from 2021. Three excellent, excellent films that I highly recommend. Um, And when I first sat down to record this episode, I was like, oh, I am like woefully unprepared for this. Like I need to go. I I thought I could just like get on here and like riff and like go off the cuff and talk about these movies. Not the case. The other times that I've covered movies, um, during episodes, I've taken like very in-depth notes <laughs> during a watch and I didn't do that and I needed to do that. So it was like Sunday when I realized like, oh shit, I have to watch all three of these movies and do actually like a thorough job of taking notes. Um, so that's what I, so that like set me behind because I, I just like couldn't do three movies in one day. Okay. Sue me. I've also seen these before. Um, so it's a rewatch. I've actually seen Daddy's Perfect Little Girl at this point probably five or six times. It's an, it's a it's a work of art. It's a masterpiece. So long story short, it's Tuesday now. I sat down to record it this again today, and I okay. Initially, I was gonna do one giant episode talking about all three movies. Then I was like, no, I'll do three separate episodes, one for each movie, and spread them out. But I don't want to spread them out that far like I have other things that I would like to talk about next week you know what I mean like I can't commit myself to three weeks of just talking about daughters of lifetime so then I'm like okay I'll go back to one episode we'll we'll like try to do an abridged version we'll squeeze it in there is just no way that I'm going to be able to fit my thoughts about three whole lifetime movies three very rich texts right into one episode so the schedule that I've settled on is we are going to be covering the wrong daughter today and then on friday and so okay back up back the truck up beep beep i'm recording today the wrong daughter you will hear this this episode in your ear holes tomorrow on wednesday your wednesday january 17th you will then hear the deadly daughter switch episode on friday and then on monday you are going to get daddy's perfect little girl So we're just going to have like a lifetime movie episode bonanza this week. And if you, I guess if you enjoy listening to me talk, then you're in for a real treat. If you hate listening to this podcast, what the fuck are you doing? No, just kidding. I hope you enjoy your stay and I hope you enjoy the lifetime movies that we discuss. Um, But yeah, that's kind of, that's the vibe. I hope that you stick around and enjoy the the unhingedness to come. Before we get into the meat of this episode, I do want to take a second and thank 
the people who have left five-star reviews for the show. Those lovely, lovely people are Bread Rocks, The Lost Princess 22, and Sierra Blooms. Thank you, guys. You are all certified Obscura Heads. If you would like to be a certified Obscura Head, go ahead and leave the show a five-star review and write write your review on Apple Podcasts, and I will read it out loud on the show, and you will be a certified Obscura Head. Easy. Capiche? I would also be so appreciative if you wanted to follow the show, subscribe, whatever you want to do on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you listen. I would really appreciate it. I would love to have you along for the ride. Now, without further ado, let's get into things. The Wrong Daughter is a Lifetime Movie Network original that originally aired in April of 2018. It was released with an alternate title of Psycho Daughter, which the Lifetime Network does that a lot. I'm pretty sure it's a difference between like Canada and America. Like they're released onto the channel under different names, depending what country you're in. Um, But I can't say for sure, because sometimes when you're on Hulu or Apple TV or wherever I'm watching, it has like one title on the poster like on the image and then it has another title like written in the system so it's very confusing I actually think that they should they ought to get their shit together when it comes to that um but this movie originally aired on Lifetime on April 15th 2018 it is starring Miss Sydney Sweeney a pre-euphoria Sydney Sweeney also Cindy Busby April Bowlby and Kelsey Griswold um the only name that I recognize from this is Sydney Sweeney and I don't think I would have recognized that name had I watched this movie when it came out in 2018 but hindsight is 2020 Sydney Sweeney is a BFD now the way things start off in this movie is with Sydney Sweeney her character is Samantha and she lives in a group home she's 18 but the director of the group home whose name is Miss Hansen has agreed to let her stay through the end of her senior year of high school so she stays in this group home she has a roommate her roommate is named Danica and the way the movie opens is with Samantha in this like scummy guy's bed it's like the scummy musician boyfriend that she has and she's talking about how excited she is to you know get out of high school and go on the road with him and like tour with him and get out of this shitty little town you know the greatest hits um he then dumps her presumably because she's being a bit presumptuous assuming that you know he wants to have her on a tour bus for an extended period of time um you know, I hate to defend a man, but I do I do think that's a reasonable ask. Um, so he dumps her and then she beats him up with his own guitar. And that's how the movie opens. She then returns to her group home um, and is caught sneaking in through her window by Ms. Hansen, who's the director of the group home. And her roommate, clearly there is some tension between the two of them. Danica's kind of like a good girl, like a nice goody two shoes, like no problems, perfect kid, right? Samantha, problem child, a bit of a bad egg. She apparently is on thin, thin ice at the group home, especially since Ms. Hansen is doing her a favor by letting her stay after her 18th birthday. So Samantha and her roommate Danica, they have beef. What stems from this beef is kind of like the fact that Sydney, not Sydney, Samantha, sorry, (laughs) Sydney Sweeney plays Samantha. 
Sydney has been in and out of 14 different foster homes in the past like 12 years. And Danica has a mom out there somewhere who abandoned her when she was a baby. And so Danica thinks that Samantha is ungrateful for getting herself kicked out of the home when she breaks so many rules and Ms. Hansen is so forgiving of her and she wouldn't be able to get away with this behavior anywhere else. Well, Ms. Hansen catches Miss Samantha catching through the window after her night with her scuzzy musician boyfriend. And she tells her that she needs to pack her things and leave because she's broken so many rules and her behavior has been so bad. And she aged out of the system months ago, so she has to get out now. Ms. Hansen gives Samantha a stipend of like $250, I think. She cuts her a check um, to like help get her on her feet, which like, I don't know, $250 is not going to get you far. Um, if you are just starting out fresh from a foster home, but whatever. Um, she tells the Samantha to get out. Samantha is pissed, but she leaves. Um, and she accuses Ms. Hansen of not caring about her. She says that Ms. Hansen wouldn't care if she was dead on the street. And then she slams the door and she gets the fuck out. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Lifetime movies, they are very like formulaic and they all follow the same kind of structure so we we got this initial scene right we're introduced to Danica Miss Hansen Samantha we are now switching gears this happens in every Lifetime movie after like those first five minutes of setting up the scene we then get the point of view of a different person in the story so we are switching gears and we are now introduced to a husband and wife who are sitting in a park together and we learn that this couple is struggling to get pregnant. They have been doing IVF. They are going to the doctor. Like right now they're in the park waiting before their doctor's appointment to see how the pregnancy is going. And when they go to the appointment, the doctor tells them that the pregnancy didn't end up taking, like the IVF didn't work. I don't have a very deep knowledge when it comes to IVF, um, but like the embryo like detached from her like, wall uterine wall or whatever I don't know I'm like literally such an idiot um the husband whose name is Joe wants to try another round of IVF but the wife her name is Kate objects to that she says that she can't go through another treatment it was really hard on her body um and the doctor you know tries to introduce them to other options he's like you know there's always adoption and the husband is like weirdly anti-adoption. He's like, no, that's not for us. Like there's nothing against it. He, he's like, he like protests a bit too much. He's like, oh no, no, no. Like adoption that we're not open to that. Like we, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the way we envisioned starting our family. And I'm like, interesting. It kind of seems like you're trying to convince yourself that there's nothing wrong with it. But I digress. Kate and Joe leave the clinic, um, you know, having decided on not continuing their journey of trying to get pregnant. And obviously at this point, we know that Kate and Joe are obviously their storyline is going to be entangled with Samantha and Danica somehow. Right. OK, strap in, strap the fuck in. Now we are back at the group home. Samantha is there. She went back to her room to pack up her things because she is getting the hell out of Dodge. Um, and she lies and tells Danica that Ms. Hansen wants to talk to her in the office. She's trying to get her to leave the room because once she does, Samantha steals her laptop that she was using on the bed, sticks it in her backpack and leaves, leaves the room. 
we now switch back. There's so many cuts in the beginning of this movie. <laughs> it is, it's an experience, okay? Watching Lifetime movies is an experience that is kind of like a skill. Like, you know how when people read, like, old books, they're like, oh, like, yeah, you have to kind of, like, learn how to read the book by reading the book. With Lifetime movies, it's that, but in reverse. It's like, you have to learn how to watch the movie but not (laughs) this is the worst analogy ever but like lifetime explains the movie so much that you almost have to do some extra legwork as a viewer to like fill in the gaps that they missed because they try to speed run the beginning of the movie to like build so much context yet there is literally no character development like ever in any of these movies it's a really it's a really insane kind of dichotomy you have going there it's both too much information and not enough at the same time and I think that's what's really beautiful about these like mid-budget mass-produced tv movies at the end of the day so at this point we are back to kate and joe we learn that kate is opening a restaurant in town she is like finishing it up she's like still working with contractors and everything so it's not like an operating restaurant yet but she is like she's the owner she's like you know, hiring all the contractors and all the vendors and doing everything that a restaurant owner does. I don't know. They make it everything about Lifetime. They make all of the jobs, like the corporate girl boss jobs that the women have in these movies look so fun. Like, I hate to say it, but they make them look like the most fun fake jobs ever. Like this lady shows up to a restaurant every day and like sits at a desk, which I've never like worked at a restaurant that had a desk like specifically in an office for the manager. Um, So that seems like kind of swanky. And she literally just like picked out decor for the restaurant. I was like, okay, slay. Like maybe I should be a restaurant owner, except not because I've seen kitchen nightmares. And I fucking know that owning a restaurant is the fastest way to financial ruin (laughs) and destroying your family, your marriage, perhaps even. That doesn't happen in this movie. It just happens on Kitchen Nightmares. So I felt the need to add it as an aside. So Kate's girl bossing at the restaurant. She's given up her, you know, dreams of being a mother and having a baby. And she's talking to Joe about what they should do with their, like, bedroom that was going to be a nursery for the baby. Like, now they're not going to have a baby. So what should they do with this room? You know? I don't know. Um, Joe tells Kate at this point that he had his friend Ivan do some digging to find the daughter that Kate had given up when she was a teenager. So at this point in the movie, we find out that when Kate was 16, she had a baby. This was before she met Joe. Um, She gave that baby up to a family for adoption. and, um, And now, as an adult... Joe has taken it upon himself to find that information. Now, I don't know if I would want to find this out. Is that a hot take? Is that like, is it crazy? Like if I had given up my daughter, like if I had had a baby when I was 16 and it's now like, you know, 16 years later or whatever, 
and like my partner knew that would I maybe be a little bit upset that like he went behind my back to find her I don't know like I guess maybe I don't know like I obviously didn't have a daughter when I was 16 and I would never be in this situation but I kind of feel like that was not like a very cool way to approach that Joe like I feel like it should have been like I mean, we the thing the thing about Lifetime movies is that we get like no context and no background information. But I think like if that would have been me, if I would have been Joe and my wife, Kate, gave up a baby for adoption when she was 16, I would have been like, oh, like, do you have any interest in reconnecting with her? Like, would you like me to help you find her or like we can look together? It does just like I think I would be like shocked and bewildered if one day my like husband, fiance, whatever, I don't know what they are to each other partner or whatever came home and was like by the way me and my friend unbeknownst to you have searched up the daughter that used to be yours like I think I'd be kind of pissed I don't know I would never be I would never be in the situation so it's all hypothetical now you probably already know where this is headed which is that the daughter that Kate gave up when she was 16 is Danica Samantha's roommate at the group home Good girl, Danica. Now, Kate was under the assumption that when she had given birth to Danica at the hospital and, like, surrendered her, she had gone home with a family. Um, But Joe was like, well, it turns out that she's been in the foster care system her whole life. So Kate doesn't really know what happened after, you know, she left the hospital. Kate then messages Danica on Facebook. But you'll recall that Samantha stole Danica's laptop. So she gets the Facebook message notification instead of Danica. And because Samantha is a conniving, sneaky gal, she replies back to the message. She needs a place to stay because she just got kicked out of a group home. She doesn't have any money. Um, So she sees opportunity with this Facebook message. Samantha replies to Kate pretending to be Danica and kind of makes up this whole story about how she's going to be going through town, the town that Kate and Joe live the following day and they could meet up if she wants to. So Kate gets this message. She replies back. She says, stop by the restaurant while you're in town. Um, The restaurant that she's opening is called Kettle Black Bistro. So Kate says, stop by Kettle Black on your way through town and I would love to talk. Now, Samantha has been doing all of these Facebook message um, shenanigans in what I'm assuming is the school library, like the high school library. And Danica finds her in the library and tries to confront her about the laptop. She's like, hey, like, I know you stole my laptop. Can you please give it back? I won't say anything. Um, but Sam is a bit unpredictable here and actually knocks out Danica, like unconscious and drags her, her her unconscious body into the stairwell and leaves her like in a storage closet for the night while she flees town to go meet Kate, which is, which is crazy. The way it is so easy for people to knock someone out in the Lifetime movie to knock in the Lifetime movie universe Knocking someone unconscious is the easiest thing you can do. 
like a punch that you would throw in real life in the universe that we all inhabit on a day to day that might give like a grown woman like, you know, a bruise on her arm would render someone in the Lifetime movie universe unconscious, perhaps even dead. I suppose that this is a good time to kind of float this like theory that I have which is that, and I don't know, this is kind of like a niche crossover, but like if you found this podcast, then I kind of trust that you're going to like do with, with this information what I hope you do, which is cherish it, you know? Um, the There are kind of two extremes when it comes to physics and like how easy it is to be injured um, across the various, you know, universes. On one side of the spectrum is the Lifetime Movie Universe, right? Where you can where you can throw hands um, and kill someone like really easily, right? Like you knock someone down the stairs, what might give someone a concussion in the real world would cause them to bleed out and be dead immediately in a Lifetime movie. On the entire other end of that spectrum, gravity works in a completely different way. Physics works in a completely different way. And that is going to have to be the Fast and the Furious movie universe. Because unlike the Lifetime universe, where where a mere slap can render someone unconscious, in, in the Fast and Furious movies, you can jump out of a moving car, you're going to be fine. You can drive a car off of a cliff into a river, and you're going to be fine. You're going to walk away out of that river just, just fine, no big deal. You can jump like off of a moving train onto a car, and you're going to be fine. You can go to space in a car and you're going to be fine. And I think that like those two, the Lifetime universe, the Fast and Furious universe exist on in direct opposition to one another. Like they are on two different poles when it comes to the way that like gravity works. Um, And I just think that maybe I think that that deserves some more fleshing out at some point. But it is kind of an observation that I've been making over the past year. The next day rolls around, Sam shows up to Kettle Black and meets Kate. They cry, they hug, it's emotional, it's beautiful. Kate is like, I can't believe I'm finally meeting you. And Sam is, you know, trying her best to act like she's not evil. Just kidding. I don't think she's evil. I actually think that she just needs mental health help, which is pretty much the case in all of these Lifetime movies. Like, if they just didn't, like, demonize mental health the way they do... It would be fine. We wouldn't even need to make any of them if people would just like have access to, you know, resources. Kate tells Sam, who's pretending to be Danica, that she's dreamed of owning a restaurant since she was like a little girl, which is a funny thing for a little girl to dream of. I want to be a restaurateur when I grow up, mommy. Um, And she says that giving Danica up for adoption was the hardest thing she's ever had to do and that she genuinely didn't think that she would end up in foster care because she watched her leave the hospital with an adoptive family. Um, And Sam Sam Danica, Sam who's pretending to be Danica, tells her that the family ended up giving her up when they found out that she had a heart condition, Um, which I don't know if that's true. I don't know. Like Kate is like, oh, my God, are you okay?" And Sam Danica is like, oh, yeah, like I'm fine. Don't worry. I don't know. We never really get the story on that when it comes to the real Danica. So I'm assuming like she's also fine, you know, or it was a lie. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, that's kind of up for interpretation. It's kind of like fill in the blanks. It's kind of like a Mad Libs situation. Sam says that she's like gotten some surgeries. She's fine now. 
Kate invites her to come over for dinner with her and Joe later that night, and Sam accepts the invitation. And so she goes over for dinner that night. She is kind of telling Kate and Joe the story, like they're just kind of getting to know each other a little bit, because obviously Kate and Joe are under the assumption that this is their daughter, or that, you know, that this is Kate's biological daughter. They think this is the real Danica. Um, And so Sam reveals that... She ran away from her last group home. She makes it seem like, you know, the group home director was like really abusive and punished her all the time, even though she was the one breaking the rule. Um, Ms. Hansen, I can't speak about Ms. Hansen. Maybe Ms. Hansen is evil. Okay. And I didn't know. I only know what they showed me. But Ms. Hansen seems like a reasonable woman. Okay. Um, but Sam, Sam Danica said, <laughs> I'm going to call her, I'm going to call her Sam Danica. Okay. Sam, who's pretending to be Danica, is Sam Danica. She tells Kate and Joe that she's been shelter hopping in the meantime since she's gotten kicked out of the group home. And you guessed it, Kate convinces Joe to let her stay with them. So they, you know, that guest bedroom they were wondering what to do with since it's not going to be for a baby anymore. Boom. It's for Sam Danica. Perfect. What a beautiful story. The end. Just kidding. Back at the group home, a police officer drops the real Danica back off with Ms. Hansen at the group home because he found her left unconscious in a storage closet at the school. (laughs) So they kind of, you know, get some information. Danica remembers that Samantha was the one who had beaten her up and left her in the storage closet. Um, Ms. Hansen is suspicious. She's like, hmm, I got to look into that a little bit more. Um, And she also buys Danica a new laptop as a gift, as a consolation for, you know, putting up with such a bad roommate for so long because Sam was kind of a nightmare roommate. Back at Kate and Joe's house, um, Kate is kind of like showing Sam around And, you know, they're looking at pictures that are on the wall and Sam sees one of Kate and Joe at this cabin and they're like, they look really happy together. They look like a really happy couple. And Sam is like, oh, I want to go there. And Kate explains that it's in Joe's family, like it's their family, like cabin. I don't know, (laughs) like obviously, okay, it's their family cabin. Um, and that it's really special for her and that whenever she goes to the cabin, all of her worries just melt away and you can't help but to be so happy when you're at the cabin. And it is clear that Sam really, really, really wants to go to this cabin with Kate. It's her first night staying with Kate and Joe. So Sam and Kate are kind of having like a little heart to heart in her bedroom before she goes to sleep for the night. And Kate tells Sam that she's going to try to get away from the restaurant early tomorrow so that her and Sam can go shopping, do a little mother-daughter retail therapy. And she also asks Sam for the group home's phone number so that she can just call and let them know that she that Sam Danica is with her now. Which I don't know, like I guess I guess I don't really like I know this has to exist as a way to move the plot forward, but I don't really think that the group home cares where she is now. Like, she's a legal adult. She's 18. They kicked her out. Like, I this this you'll see why this has to happen, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, you would never, like, she just wouldn't have to do that, I don't think. 
Sam ends up giving Kate a phone number to a burner phone that Sam owns because she obviously can't give her the phone number for the real group home or Kate will find out that Sam is performing identity theft from Danica. You know what I mean? So she gives her the phone number, this burner phone. She then takes this burner phone to the park, has a homeless lady in the park pretend to be the director of the group home on the phone with Kate. (laughs) I think she says that she'll give the lady like 20 bucks to do it, but you know, the lady does a a half-assed performance of a group home director on the phone. And what's fucked up is that Samantha leaves without giving her her money. Come on, girl. She performed her job expectations okay. Not very well, but she did it. Give her her fucking money. We also briefly get an update from real Danica back at the group home. She goes to throw away the wrapping paper that Ms. Hansen wrapped the laptop in and sees in Sam's trash can a full bottle of prescription pills that she had thrown away. And Danica's like, oh, Sam, what are you up to? So we are to assume that these meds, these prescription pills are somehow, you know, affecting something in this larger story. Okay. Kate at this point is at the restaurant with the inspector because they're having like their like OSHA inspection or whatever to see if they are green lit to open the restaurant um, and she's meeting with contractors and she kind of loses track of time and forgets that she promised Sam that they would go shopping later that day. Melissa is Kate's bestie who also is like I think in business with her when it comes to the restaurant like I think they are business partners or else Melissa is just like helping as like an employee of sorts I don't know but they're best friends and they work together which thoughts and prayers um Kate is busy with her meeting with her meeting with her contractors with her inspector whatever um Melissa answers the phone and it is Sam on the other end calling asking to talk to Kate saying that you know Kate promised that she would be home and she's not home yet and Melissa's like I don't know what to tell you dude like she can't come to the phone right now I'll give you a message and she'll call you back later and hangs up and Sam is pissed Sam is pissed that Melissa hung up on her and Sam is pissed that Kate forgot about their plans to go shopping together so Sam takes herself outside she notices Joe working in the garden in the yard um And Joe kind of tells her to not take it personally that Kate flaked. He can tell that she's upset. Um, And he's like, don't take it personally. Like, she's really busy with the restaurant opening. Um, You know, it wasn't, it's not personal. Um, But obviously, Sam took this personally. Okay? Need I say less? Um, Kate gets home. She apologizes for being caught up with the inspector. And she is so sorry about the fact that she missed their plans. But Sam blows up at Kate and gets super mad, gets super pissed, tells her to not make promises that she can't keep. And then Kate is kind of like, "Mm, like, did I make a mistake with letting her move in? Like, should I have gotten to know her more first? Like, I don't know anything about this girl. Like, she is a stranger. Like, of course, Kate is under the assumption that it's her biological daughter. But like, even if it was it's still a stranger. You don't know this girl. You know what I mean? So she's like rightfully a little bit concerned because her like little blow up meltdown um, kind of scared her. And Joe is like, okay, babe, like just be patient. Like she's just adjusting. Like Sam Danica is traumatized. She's had a rough life. Like she's just acclimating to her new home. So just like, don't worry about it. Brush it off. And she's like, okay, no big deal. 
The next morning, Sam Danica, Sam Danica apologizes to Kate for her, you know, little blow up the night before. And Kate accepts her apology. She, you know, still is apologetic for missing their plans the day before. And Kate asks what she can do to make it up to Sam. Sam's request is that they take a weekend away at the aforementioned cabin for some mother-daughter bonding time. And Kate is super busy because it's getting really close to the opening of her restaurant. But she's like, I'm going to see if I can work it out with Melissa so that we can get away this weekend. And maybe we can have a little girl's trip. Fast forward to later that day, Sam shows up at the restaurant where Kate and Melissa are working on something. And it comes out that Melissa has been to the cabin with Kate before she's like oh my god like you guys are going to the cabin you're gonna have so much fun and Sam is like what you've been to the cabin before and Melissa's like yeah like it's beautiful you're gonna have the best time ever um but then Melissa's like but there's like no cell service up there like something is gonna come up Kate like we're gonna need you and Kate's like oh fuck like you're right that's a really good point um you know, Sam, I'm so sorry, but we can't go up to the cabin this weekend. It's just too risky with the cell service. And at this point, Sam, not happy about that. Okay. Because now she kind of views, she's viewing everyone as like a competition for Kate's attention. Right. So she views Melissa as her competition because Melissa's getting attention from Kate. And she's also been with Kate to the cabin before. And Sam thought that that was going to be like their special little thing together. I don't know. Sam has an interesting attachment style. You know what I mean? I would say it's like beyond anxious. Sam had brought with her a little necklace to give to Kate as a gift. It turns out that the necklace doesn't fit. It's a little bit too short. Kate's like, no worries. Like I have a chain that I'll switch it out with at home. It's no big deal. It's beautiful. And Sam was like, oh my god like I'm so stupid I should have known I fuck like I should have I should have checked first like she's just like beating herself up about this necklace and like blowing this very small thing out of proportion a lot um but Kate takes the necklace off obviously it doesn't fit she puts it back in the box and then while Melissa and Kate are in a different room Sam takes the necklace the the, the box that the necklace is in and plants it in Melissa's purse so that it looks like Melissa stole it off of Kate's desk. So that was really sneaky. You know, Melissa's like, I swear, like, I didn't put that there. And Kate is like super chill. Like, I will say, like, throughout this whole movie, like, Kate is an unbothered queen. She's like, oh, my God, like, don't worry. Like, I trust you. It was a weird mistake. Don't sweat it. Moving on. Whatever. Melissa's like okay yeah let's move on but Melissa is from this point on extremely suspicious of Sam she can tell that something is wrong later that evening Kate and Sam are like laughing on the couch they are having popcorn and they are laughing at a reality tv show they're bonding over dating reality tv shows and the doorbell rings and Sam is like, I'll get it. She goes to answer it and it is Melissa at the door. And Melissa has flowers for Kate as an apology for the thing earlier. She still feels bad about the necklace situation. Um, and, you know, Sam is obviously not super happy to see Melissa because she has one sided beef with Melissa. Kate comes over to the door and Sam leaves and, you know, walks away. And then just between Melissa and Kate Melissa's like hey like I feel really bad that I seem to have done something that has upset Sam Danica 
And I just wonder if I need to apologize to her. And Kate's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you owe her an apology. Like, you know, she's still just getting adjusted. Why don't you sleep on it and see what you feel in the morning? See what I mean? Like an unbothered queen. Like Kate is an unbothered queen. Later that night when everyone is asleep, Sam is drinking orange juice straight from the jug in the kitchen, which is criminal, I would say. I think that drinking liquids straight from the jug in a communal kitchen, even if it is, you know, your family or your spouse, like I do think that is a line that like I'm not willing to cross. And I would not stand for that in my home. Someone drinking from the milk jug or the orange juice jug, you know, that's disgusting. But as she's drinking her orange juice, she catches a glimmer of this like shiny, sharp knife in the knife block on the counter. And she takes it in her hand and she looks at it really close. And you can tell that she's plotting something. And she takes this shiny little knife and takes it outside to destroy the garden in the yard. She tears up this scarecrow that's in the garden. She destroys all of the flowers and all of the plants. But... Do you remember Ivan from earlier? Ivan is Joe's friend who helped find Danica in the first place. Ivan lives behind Kate and Joe in an apartment and he can see their garden from his window. So he sees this commotion happening in the garden. He whips out his phone and he records a video from his window of Sam going absolutely bonkers with a knife on the scarecrow, absolutely violating the scarecrow. Meanwhile, Melissa is at home and she decides to send Danica a message on Facebook to apologize for the necklace incident. Necklace gate, if you will. Obviously, because she is messaging Danica, Danica on Facebook, real Danica gets this message because real Danica is back, you know, has access to her computer again. I don't know why Danica, like, I am, cons- I am, like, there's a lot that went unsaid there. Like, I wonder if the real Danica, like, once she got her, com- you know, like a new computer and got back into her Facebook Like, I'm wondering if, like, wouldn't she have gone into her messages and seen this exchange between her and Kate that she didn't recognize? I don't know. Like, that just seems weird. But that's like a plot hole that I can't think about right now. Um, So Danica gets this message. Real Danica gets this message from Melissa. And she's like, I don't know, you know, what this lady is talking about. I don't know anything about a necklace. Um, But she goes onto Melissa's page and sees on her Facebook wall that she's posted a picture with Kate and with Sam. But the caption says, Melissa, Kate, and Danica. And Danica's like, that's not me. That's Sam. That's fucking Sam. That's my old roommate. We get left on a little bit of a cliffhanger there and we pivot back to Kate and Joe. And they wake up to this garden destroyed after like Sam Danica destroyed it the night before. She pretends that the raccoons did it, even though Ivan has proof. But Ivan is not bringing it up yet because he doesn't really want to get himself involved in their business. Ty. Hi. Do you want to say hi to Obscure Nation? What's up? Get in here. What's up, guys? Back here at all of you. Back in the stew. Back in the stew. Um, What's up, guys? Back in the stew. Back in the stew. Um, You're catching me talking about um, the wrong daughter. Oh, don't even get me started on the wrong one. Do you want to hear me talk about it for the rest of the episode? Sure. You're my live studio audience? Yeah, you're my live studio audience. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that's fine too. Okay, back to the movie. They're at a barbecue. Kate and Joe are hosting a barbecue to welcome Sam Danica into the family. Um, and we learn at this point in the movie, maybe I was supposed to know before this point, but I, I don't think so. Like, it's really hard to miss stuff because they really feed all of the information you need right to you. There's not a lot of room for like interpretation when it comes to Lifetime movies. So I feel like this was just like bad storytelling on their part, but I could have missed something. You know, that's always a possibility. But it, we learn at this barbecue that Melissa and Ivan are dating. Melissa calls Ivan babe. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, they're together? So Kate and Melissa are best friends. Joe and Ivan are best friends. Melissa and Ivan are dating. I don't know. It's interesting. And then Melissa and Ivan live in the apartment behind the house that Joe and Kate live in. And also Melissa works for or with Kate. I don't know. It just seems like too much togetherness. I really feel like there could be a sequel to this movie where there's like like the friendship dynamic comes crashing down because there's just like a lot of moving pieces here. And I feel like there's a lot of room for error. At the barbecue, Ivan confides in Melissa about what he saw the night before and shows her the video of Sam destroying the garden in Kate and Joe's yard. And Melissa insists that they need to tell Kate. They need to share this information with Kate. Um, first, Ivan decides that he is going to go to Danica. He's going he's gonna to pull Sam Danica aside and he asks her to explain what happened in the garden. He's like, hey, I just like want to give you a chance to like explain what happened. Like, I saw you do this. Here's the video. Sam gives like a half-assed apology, an excuse for why she did it. She says that she like blacked out. She didn't even remember doing anything to the garden. And like, that's one of her issues. And Ivan is like, OK, you need to be honest with Kate about this. Like, you need to tell Kate everything that you just told me and be vulnerable with her about your troubles. And Ivan goes to walk out of the room. He's like, this conversation is over. You need to go talk to Kate. He walks out of the room. Sam follows him. And before he gets to the stairs, she grabs him by the neck and knocks him down the flight of stairs. And he's dead, obviously. Like, remember, like, I've already explained kind of like the way that like physics works in the Lifetime universe. Like, obviously, this push from a teenage girl down the stairs killed Ivan like why wouldn't it we skip forward to the next day Sam Danica goes down to the living room to talk to Joe um she asks where Kate is Joe is like she's at a yoga class um it's just me here right now and so she kind of sits down to talk to him but when he gets up from the couch she takes the rug and like maneuvers it so that it it trips him and she's quite the mastermind. Like, she really is. Like, I don't know how she just, like, knows how to kill adult men so easily. Like, I feel like it's not that easy. But, well, she didn't kill Joe. She trips him with the rug. And he knocks his head on the corner of a cabinet and gets knocked unconscious, obviously. She's two for two. Um, but, of course, Joe is alive. And, and Ivan is dead. Joe comes to... He comes to consciousness. Sam is like, oh my gosh, like you tripped and hit your head and you've been unconscious. And I think we really need to go to the hospital. And there is just like a gash with blood dripping down from his forehead. That looks so fake. One thing about these movies, the the like blood always looks so, so fake. 
to an, a comical extent, really. In the meantime, we get a glimpse of the real Danica messaging Melissa back on Facebook. She writes, Hi, Melissa, this is Danica Tyrell. I got your message about some necklace and I had no idea what you're talking about. But I went to your Faces and Friends page. That's the bootleg version of Facebook that they use in this movie. It is not consistent across movies. Every Lifetime movie has a different like fake bootleg Facebook. And this one happens to be called Faces and Friends. I went to your Faces and Friends page. I saw a picture of you with a woman named Kate Whitman. Next to her is a girl identified as me, Danica Tyrell, but she's definitely not me. Her name is Samantha Brown. She's been diagnosed with schizophrenia and is wanted by the police for aggravated assault. She's trying to replace me. All caps. Melissa receives this message. She is rightfully bewildered. Now, I would be remiss to not discuss the harmful stereotypes that the Lifetime Movie Network perpetuates when it comes to mental illness they are guilty of this a lot of the time of like kind of equating people who have schizophrenia to being like evil and dangerous which I cannot stand by okay I don't endorse the content of these movies I just you know we we have to look past some things we really do so we kind of shift perspectives again and Kate um you know gets the text she gets out of her yoga class and she sees the text Um, that Joe and Sam Danica are at the hospital. So she goes to meet them at the hospital and he has been given stitches and painkillers for his head injury. Um, The doctor insists that he just needs to take it easy and rest. And the three of them, Kate, Sam Danica, and Joe, agree that they can all go up to the cabin for the night so that he can relax. And then Kate and Sam can go to the cabin like they were planning to initially. Which is where I have to bring up the question of If you are a person who just sustained like head trauma, like if you got knocked, if you knocked your head so hard that it knocked you unconscious for an amount of time, like I don't think that a medical professional would suggest that you sleep. Like in fact that I, I think they would suggest that you like stay up for the entire night. Like I remember when I was a kid and like I would, I was going to school with like kids who played sports and would get concussions. Like they had to like stay up all night or else there's like, I don't know, like, I've never had a concussion because, like, I live kind of, like, a life of creature comforts and, like, I don't, I haven't experienced a lot of injuries in my life because, <laughs> because I don't really have many hobbies that would um, result in injury. But in my experience, when someone has a concussion, you have to keep them awake all night because if they fall asleep, they might not wake up. That's why, right? You have to fall, as- you have to stay awake because if you fall asleep and you have a concussion, like, you might just die, Right? So the timeline is a little muddy here because Sam, I was under the assumption that Sam killed Ivan or knocked him down the stairs the day before at the barbecue. It is now fully the next day, I think. And it is unclear. Like it is unclear in in the movie, but it is the next day. And at this point, Melissa is showing up at the house where Ivan got pushed down the stairs. She sees a bunch of police, a bunch of detectives, medical examiners. They're wheeling his body out. Um, And there's like crime scene tape. And so I don't know how like that long passed before Melissa realized that Ivan was dead, but it's dark during this scene. So it is like fully the next night, I think. Maybe it's the same night that she pushed him down the stairs, but then I'm confused where the hospital visit kind of fell into that timeline. So I think we just kind of need to like agree to disagree. Like we just kind of need to move on past that with the information that we have. Um, Melissa's like 
like, you know, terrified that Ivan is dead. She (laughs) does assault a police officer. Um, She's like kicking and screaming and they're trying to drag her away. And she is screaming that um, Sam murdered him and that she was the one who killed him. And she gets taken to jail. (laughs) Melissa gets taken to jail for assaulting the police officer at the crime scene. The detective comes in to talk to her. And she tries to tell him about Samantha, who's pretending to be Danica. And he obviously doesn't believe her. He doesn't hashtag believe women. Um, and he's like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's like, no, like you're crazy. Because men, men think women are crazy all the time, right? The detective says that he has no reason to believe that foul play was involved. But Melissa insists. She's like, you need to look into this girl, Samantha Brown. She is at this cabin right now with Kate and Joe and she gives them the address and the detective does cave and he does decide to look into it. Back at the cabin, Kate and Sam Danica are bonding, you know, mother-daughter bonding. And Kate apologizes to Sam Danica for being so busy with the opening of the restaurant and she promises that they will spend more time together once she is done with the opening of the restaurant. At the same time, back at the group home, Real Danica goes to Ms. Hansen to tell her about the fact that Sam is stealing her identity. Now, somehow, someway, Ms. Hansen has Kate's phone number. And she gives Kate's phone number to Danica so she can call and explain what's going on. So Danica calls while Kate is up at the cabin, but she's out. She's not at the house right now. She's out at the grocery store buying groceries. And Danica, real Danica, is trying to explain everything. Kate doesn't believe her. She thinks it's a joke. She thinks like someone's pulling one over on her because it is such an insane story. But real Danica isn't playing. She's like, no, you need to get away from Sam. She's dangerous. Also, she stopped taking her meds. And so then we realize that's what the prescription bottle in the trash was earlier. Those were her like schizophrenia meds that Sam had thrown out for some reason or another. While Kate is at the grocery store, Sam is sitting on the porch at the cabin and a park ranger, like a park police officer type guy, pulls up and asks if she's Samantha Brown. She's like, no, my name's Danica Tyrell. And he's like, well, do you have an ID? And she tries to play it off. She's like, yeah, it's inside. Um, Let me go get it. So she goes inside. And while she's inside, she, of course, grabs a knife And the police officer is outside. He is talking on the walkie-talkie to his coworkers, I'm assuming. He's like, yeah, you know, we got her here. Like, I'm here looking for Samantha Brown, and and I'm pretty sure this is her. Um, So he's outside. He has his back turned to the door. Sam comes out holding the knife, and she just stabs him in the neck. And he falls to the floor, and her body count is now two. She has now killed two grown men in the span of about 48 hours slay pussy boots the house down queen sam jumps into the park ranger truck that he had driven to the cabin and flees the scene she gets the hell out of there kate comes back to the cabin with the groceries and sees the dead park ranger stabbed to death on the front steps to the cabin she is rightfully alarmed. She goes inside. She's yelling for Joseph. Poor concussed Joe was sleeping this whole time. I don't know why they let him sleep. Please keep this man awake. I am so afraid for his well-being. Um, he is an innocent 
he's an innocent player in all of this. He doesn't deserve any of this. No one does. Kate, you're innocent too. Unbothered queen. It's going to be okay. Um, so concussed Joseph sleeping the whole time. But like he wakes up when Kate starts screaming. She's freaking out. She tells Joe everything that real Danica called and told her about Samantha. And, you know, Samantha has obviously left. She drove away with the stolen police truck. So Kate and Joe drive home from the cabin they seem to be a lot less worried than they should be like all of this is so calm there's no like you know you'd think that they'd have to be like questioned for a long time considering that a dead police officer was on the steps of their cabin but no they just like take a leisurely drive home they pull into the driveway Kate turns to Joe she was like I want to meet my real daughter I have to find the real Danica So Kate drops off concussed Joe at home and she turns that car right back around and she goes to the group home to meet the real Danica, her real daughter. And Sam is still MIA at this point. She took the park ranger and she skipped town. When Kate shows up to the group home, Danica is not in her room. Kate, like, obviously introduces herself to Miss Hansen. She's like, hey, like, I'm Kate. This is my deal. I'm here to meet Danica. And Miss Hansen is like, oh, perfect. Let me show you to her room. They open the door into Danica's room, and she is not there. But her backpack is there. Her backpack is open on the bed, and the necklace from earlier, the one that Sam had planted in Melissa's purse to make her look like she had stolen it, has now been planted inside of real Danica's backpack. So this is a big clue and immediately Kate starts freaking out. The window opens to the door. No, I said that wrong. The window in Danica's room opens to the roof. And so that's how Sam was like sneaking in in the opening scene of the movie. She was like up on the roof trying to enter from outside the window. So Kate and Ms. Hansen walk out onto the roof and outside on the rooftop is Sam holding a knife to Danica's throat and is basically holding Danica like hostage. She says that Kate needs to choose between the two of them or else she's going to kill Danica with the knife. Um, You know, Kate kind of reasons with her. She's like, oh, sweetie. Like she kind of like, you know, plays into the delusion a bit and is like, I'll always love you. Like, please just drop the knife. So Sam does drop the knife. The police, perfect timing. They run onto the roof. They put Samantha in handcuffs. She is freaking out. I will say, Sydney Sweeney earned her check from this scene alone, okay? This scene where she's getting arrested, she did respectfully put her whole pussy into this scene. And I like to think that this is what Sam Levinson saw that convinced him to cast her in Euphoria. He was like, I need her. I need Sam Danica in my show. The way all Lifetime movies end is that there's that big crescendo that we just had. There's usually like a knife fight, a gun fight, um, like a fist fight, usually some kind of big like life-threatening fight that happens. The police officers or law enforcement enforcement always you know, arrive on the scene at exactly the right time, just in time. And then like clockwork, 
we get a flash forward scene at the very end of the movie and that is the scene that closes out the film. So in this case, we get a flash forward to Kate and Joe sitting with the real Danica signing the adoption papers so that they are officially Danica's guardians now. And also, we see that Kate is super pregnant. So I guess that she got pregnant somehow. Um, So now she has like a 16-year-old daughter or an 18-year-old daughter and also an unborn kid. Um, So I don't know how she got, like I, I, you know, I don't know how she got pregnant, but good for her. I hope she got what she wanted. Me and Ty last year um, developed like Lifetime Bingo and it's like a bingo card that you can use while you're watching a Lifetime movie with just like a bunch of different tropes that happen in Lifetime movies. And um, the trope that would apply to this scene is the flash forward or everything is okay. That is the square on the bingo card and it happens every single time. It could be the free space. But for this free space, we have bad acting because that is a given. But also the flush forward where everything is okay is also a given. It's a fun game to play. If anyone wants to play Lifetime Bingo, shoot me a message and I will send you the link. We get another little flash forward as a treat at the end of Samantha in some kind of mental institution. Um, she's act- asking the doctor, like the nurse at her bedside, if her mother is going to come visit her. She's like, is mother coming to visit? And she is like very strange. She's acting very strange. And she she says, here, let me act this out as best as I can. When is mother coming to visit? A mother and daughter should never be apart. It's just... It's unnatural. Did you know I was a love child? (laughs) She said she was like, did you know I was a love child? And the nurse is like, Samantha. And then Samantha interjects and she's like, Danica, my name is Danica. And that is where the movie cuts off. The end. El fin. Whew. What did you guys think of The Wrong Daughter, alternatively titled Psycho Daughter, starring Sydney Sweeney? Let me know. Let me know your thoughts. I've just spent an hour telling you my thoughts. So please, let's make this a two-way conversation. Slide into the DMs. Let me know if you've seen The Wrong Daughter, if you have listened to this episode and now you want to see the movie. It is streaming on Apple TV if you would like to watch it for yourself. I'm sure it is streaming a bunch of other places too, but I watched it on Apple TV. If you made it to this point in the episode, thank you so, so much. I'm here to give you a giant, big old kiss for making it to the end of the episode. And I will see you again here in a couple of days for the next installment of the Lifetime Daughters podcast bonanza, where we are going to be covering the 2020 movie, The Deadly Daughter Switch. And that one is a doozy. And I will say that I am doing the series in order of how much I like the movies. So we're starting off with the one that I pro- is probably my least favorite out of these three, which was, with all due respect to The Wrong Daughter, that is falling in the number three slot. Um, next up is The Deadly Daughter Switch, which I actually quite liked and I watched for a second time today to take notes. And I was like, yeah, this holds up. Like, it, it was an enjoyable watch. And then on Monday, the final installment of the trilogy is going to be about daddy's perfect little girl which I watched for the first time in the spring of last year and it changed my life it changed my DNA my brain chemistry you know my bones really it changed kind of my molecular makeup when I really think about it 
Um, so I'm really, really hoping that you will meet me back here for the episode where we cover the Lifetime original Daddy's Perfect Little Girl from 2021. Trust me, you really don't want to miss it. I know I already said it at the beginning of the show, but if you do like the podcast, please give it a review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot to me and it just is super helpful. So I would really appreciate that. Definitely subscribe to the show to follow along if you haven't already. And if you would like to be even further involved in Obscura Nation, you can go ahead and follow the podcast's Instagram. That is Obscura Pod on Instagram, also on TikTok. If you want to keep up with my personal shenanigans, follow my personal Instagram accounts. That is going to be Olivia Stober Studios on both Instagram and TikTok. And I post my art stuff and my personal stuff and just kind of my day-to-day fuckery on those accounts specifically tiktok is where most of the fuckery takes place so catch me there i'd love to be besties um thanks for listening i know i said it once but i'll say it again because i really do mean it and i hope you have a lovely rest of your day evening morning whatever you're rocking right now and i will see you soon adios obscura heads <laughs>